0: And I, I've told Gilbert, and I've said it probably here from the pulpit, and and some 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 other people, uh, just how much I have loved being in the Book of Acts as we go into the 17th chapter this this week, and as we've del- dove deeply into these verses here, um, that that really, as you begin to look at the timeline, only cover a a few years, right? A few years, but so much. Of, of great significance for the church, for the establishment of, of what God is doing as we look at all the, the language in the ecclesia, the gathering that He establishes amongst His people as the apostles and the disciples go and continue the work of, uh, of God in this earth and, and, and doing what He has called them to do, being obedient to to what He has asked them to do. What we see here is just the the working of the Holy Spirit, taking man's obedience. We talked about this several weeks ago. Taking man's obedience, doing what they can do, and God doing what only He can do, and seeing great and mighty things come from. Amen. And I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for what God has done and He's doing in the book of Acts and what He's continuing to do in our lives Today, Amen. Um, but over in the uh, 17th chapter of the book of Acts, we read verses 19 through 32. Uh, one of my favorite, just chapters in general in the Bible. We we really struggled and wrestled with where the lord wants us to go. The first part is uh, one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Is, is there in the first part of this chapter as um, it talks about how Paul goes into a city and, um, and they basically they're going to cast him out or they throw out. They're going to do great things to uh, great things against him. Um, and Jason was one of the leaders in the church. And, and he kind of hid, hid Paul away. Helped him escape in essence. And, and they brought Jason and some of the other leaders before the, the leaders of that city. And said, here are the ones that have, that have turned the world upside down. and turned the world on its head. And I think that's just a, a powerful statement. That, that these men that have only been mentioned. this is the only time they're mentioned in Scripture. How significant their choices were. That it was seen as world altering. Right? That it completely and radically was changing the world that, that people knew at that time and how it still is today. And, and I love that verse that even though we might play such a small part in the, in the entirety of the story of, uh, of Scripture, that small part that we play can be world altering to just somebody, right? To somebody's life. And, and it's really, and, and wrestled with that and thought about going that way. But as I really studied the Scripture, this is where, where God has, has led us. And we're going to talk about something new. Okay, something new. And we'll see that in the Scripture. In the Scripture even reads reads that way here in just a moment. But we'll get to what that means in a moment. But Acts chapter 17, verses 19 through 32 reads like this. It says, And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know that this new doctrine, what this new doctrine is of, of which you speak. So he's, he's in Athens right now. And it says, For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. And then Paul stood in the midst of the Arpagos. and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore the one whom you worship without knowing him I proclaim to you God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We will hear you again on this matter. It's Acts chapter 17, verses 19 through through 32. I, w- I want to start by looking at how these people here, and even we still today, are always searching. The Athenians, uh, Athens, was a city in Greece, one of the most powerful cities in Greece. Um, and they were people that desired, that were renowned for their pursuit of, of knowledge and and new ideas A day in the life of Aspen's you would Go through in every marketplace and every city corner and in every public house that you would come across to be filled with with intellectual men from all over the known world coming together to debate different things of of significance to them, about rights, and about religion, about thoughts, about who we are as people. It's where we get the idea of democracy comes from. The Athenians. These, These concepts, these high concepts, were talked about and discussed many times the first time in Athens, right? These are people who desired. Great wisdom, great knowledge, great understanding. And we see that, right? The scripture says, For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. They were always searching for some new thing. Right? Always debating, always having these conversations. This Arapagos that they were talking about—we we, we're not sure what it where exactly it was. It was either a hillside. We call it Mars Hill many times. Either a hillside where they have debates, or it was it was also a name used for a council, a judicial council that they would bring people before to talk about religious things. So it's it's one or the other. Um, but we know that this Arapagos was a place of, of high thinking. Was a place where great debates occurred. It was a place where people brought the new things out so that it could be weighed and looked at by all of the men of the area, all the people of the area, and see, does this have any kind of credence, or is it all nonsense? So they said, Paul, you've got all this teaching. And we like hearing these new things. Why don't you come to one of these places of, of public debate and give your thought, give your reasoning, give your concept, and tell us this doctrine that you have. right? And these places, and we see as he begins to read, there's places in Athens. Athens, you know, we're talking about Zeus, we're talking about Ares, we're talking about, you know, all these other gods and these pantheons that, you know, we've written all from history and things like that, that that they worshipped in essence. And they had all these great, mighty temples that would surround these public debate places often times, that, that on the edges they would, they'd have these these temples to Zeus, these temples to these other gods, and, and they'd be worshiping them, and they'd come out and discuss and talk about what the gods were doing. They would talk about who was the right God, who was the highest God, who was the greatest God. They would have these discussions. So they they bring Paul here. No doubt he sees all these these temples and, and all these things going on. He even says in one place that he sees their idolatry, right? and, he, and he's frustrated by it. But here he's brought up to these people that are always searching for for something new. Look at our society today and tell me you don't see the same thing prevalent amongst all people. Uh, not just one nationality or one area, but amongst all people. Right? We... We look for the new technology to inspire us, new content to entertain us, right? New new leaders to enlighten us. We we are always searching for for the new, the new trends to engross us that we we just latch on to and to follow. We are always seeking something new, right? We scroll through our feed looking through looking for something new. We've not seen before. Right? We we watch the trailers to see what is new coming in the in the movies. We are always looking for something new. We we election time, we're looking for something new. We go out and we look for the new, that's on the lot or that's in Walmart or wherever it may be. We are constantly searching for something new to have some effect on us, right? And that's what these Athenians were, they were trying to find this, this perfect, this exact way of thinking, of believing, this thought process that would help just make life better, that would help make a better world, that would help create this perfect place. And they continue to have these debates and conversations trying to find that new thing to get them to where they don't have to search for a new thing anymore. And we are there as well, always searching for that new thing that will satisfy so we don't have to search for a new thing anymore. Right. But just like the Athenians we still today are are just traveling through a a desert place thirsty for something to looking for something to quench that thirst and and we look and when you go through a desert the the way that, you know science tells us that the way that the sun kind of reflects off the sand and things of that nature can can create mirages you get dehydrated and things you begin to to see these things and they look real and, and and they seem real even to the mind for a moment they can almost be real to you and you can almost feel like you are there you can feel like you have arrived but yet it is just simply a a trick of the mind a trip of the trick of the light off the sand and into your eye and, and it's not really really there and and just as the Athenians continue to search for for the new thing that would fulfill them, that would make them perfect, that would make them a people that would stand forever, we know today that the Athenians are, are long gone and passed away. Athens still stands and, and we still see the footprints that they, they would have walked in, the area that they would have been. But Athens, those people, are no longer relevant or prevalent. The new things they continue to look for never fulfilled and created what they were expecting. And so too today, the what we are always searching for in the new will not fulfill or complete or quench what we have looked for and, and Paul knows this about these people. Right? He he knows this about these people. He he understands these people in, in in a in a great way. Right. He he goes on and he talks about a level of religion they have. They have this level of religion. He tells them, he says, men of Athens, I, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Paul observed that the Athenians had this great level of religious practice of worship I mean, it was undeniable, right? I mean, we we still see pe- people still travel to ancient Greece and Athens, those places, to to see what remains of these great temples that were carved from marble and stone, and and these great statues of their gods that they had, and and they, they still travel to see that because it was it was mighty works of art and engineering that they did. He said he said it's a, very apparent and clear that you have a desire to worship something, you have a desire to believe in something, a desire to find something and latch on to it, but he said. Look at what you... I even saw an altar over here as I was brought in today that says to the unknown God. He says there's a desire within you to worship, to follow after some divine me. You acknowledge that it's there. Yet you do not know who He he is. There is a level of religion, but there lacked relationship. Right? and we use that, that, that terminology, that idea that that duality a lot of times in, in churches and, and in Christianity that that relationship with God isn't relig- isn't religion. It, it's just knowing him and being close to him. That you can have religion without having the relationship, right? And that's what Paul has basically explained to these people and we'll begin to explain is it's very clear that you have religion. That you have a clear set of expectations and beliefs and thought processes that you you have about your gods, about divine entities, about all these things. It's very clear that you have religion, but but you do not have a relationship with with your divine entities, right? You look at what they believed and they they believed that their gods lived on Mount Olympus that they would come and visit them sometimes but that they were were distant from their people, right? They had little to do with them. They'd send the storms. They'd send the rains. They'd do certain things. They had some aspect uh, of, you know, kind of ingrained within the life of man but there was no relationship with man. They were distant upon Mount Olympus living their own lives just looking down upon man. But Paul begins to explain to them and begins to talk to them about Christ, right? We see that here in a moment. He begins to explain that That Christ came not just for religion, but to create relationship with mankind. That that level of religion is not what God was seeking, what Christ was seeking, but it was simply seeking a relationship with His his people. This level of religion that they had was not what God desired from His creation, from His people, from those that He made. He wanted them to follow Him. Right, and I in no way. I'm saying that we live in a very religious world right now. Right, I, I think it's very clear that that people with belief systems, of, you know, of Christianity or even some of the other ones, are, are are more and more becoming the minority. But intrinsically, mankind seeks to worship, and believe, and admire something. It is within us the bible says that we all have the breath of life within us breathed by god right that's our understanding that is our belief of scripture is that we all have some essence of god within us because we are his created beings right and that essence, that that soul desires to be reconnected with god desires to worship him and even though we you have people in the world that claim to not believe in anything you have people in the world that believe in all kinds of different things we are seeking something to follow, something to believe in, something to worship. And we see that, right? In our adoration of celebrities, in our adoration of athletes, in our adoration of, of people in high positions of power, we seek to adore, we seek to worship something, yet that we put that in the wrong places. Right? We worship the wrong things. We follow the wrong things. We believe in the wrong things. And that's what he's telling him here. Is you've got the desire. I know that soul that God has put within you desires to do that. And you've tried every way you can to fulfill it by all these other things that you've created. All these other gods and these idols that you have made. You've tried to do that to build houses for, him, for them. To build idols of them. But he says it's not what your soul is seeking. He, said, he says in one place towards the end of what he's talking about, he says, he says but God does not reside in houses built by, built by man. Basically, he can't be, be ensnared. He can't even be encapsulated into idols made of, of gold, of silver, of stone. That and he is far beyond that. And what we have to understand, what we have to communicate with the world is that, hey, that desire that you have to to adore something, to worship something, to idolize something, to believe in something, that's good, that is from God. But it's meant to be directed back towards God. And I look at at the, the model, I guess you could call it, of what Paul does. He begins to talk to the Athenians. Uh, the pathway that he goes with and and I think it is it's is brilliant in, in every essence of what he does. We know that, that Paul abhors idolatry from his from his writings that's, that's very clear uh, it's very clear that he absolutely abhors. Idolatry. He goes to these other cities and he talks about, you know, how they have these these gods or other things, how they worship them, and it brings about sexual morality and it brings about depravity and all these things. It's very clear that he abhors it. Yet when he is given the chance to speak, the first thing he does is applaud their level of religion and desire to worship something. That's what he starts with. This is. This, it says, men of Athens. He's given the stage, right? He's brought up into the Arapagus. He's brought before all these men of great intellect, of great wisdom, of great understanding that have, that have, in many ways, talked about some of the brilliant ideas of that age. And he, they bring them before him and he says, men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. As I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. He begins by connecting with a place that they already are at. Even though he hates the idolatry, he recognizes that that desire to worship something comes from God. And I pray that when we communicate to the world about Jesus, when we evangelize, when we talk to others about Christ, that we recognize that which is inspired by God that is within them. That we recognize that even though they may be so far out in left field that it's, abs- it's absurd. That they are created by God and have a desire within them. That soul desires to know God. And that, as Paul did, we try to connect and communicate with, to them. And we do that by a true testimony. Right? By a true testimony testimony. He continues, says, therefore the one whom you worship without knowing him I proclaim to you God who made the world and everything in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life breath and all things. The Choices that Paul makes as he communicates to these people, as he is trying to compel them to follow after Christ, I think is something that is very insightful in how we should approach those that are needful of Christ. He doesn't come in and the first thing that he says is, You need to tear down those idols. The first thing he says is, You don't, is not, You need to tear down the temples. The first thing he says isn't, You are absurd for doing what you are doing. He says, I see the divine essence within you. I see the connection to God that is there. I see what God has instilled within you. And it, it has been perverted by the world and the enemy has, has tried to twist it and make it what it doesn't need to be. But I see that within you. But let me redirect it to where it was always meant to be. To you, you a true testimony of what that desire, what will fulfill that desire. You people that are always searching for something new. You people that are always talking about the next thing, bringing up all these great ideas and wonderful things and, and, and mind blowing things that, that are beyond many men's comprehension. You are searching for something new. Let me redirect it towards this true testimony of who God is. He says, You have an idol, you have an altar to the unknown God, but let me put this one whom you worship without knowing Him, I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it. This true testimony of who God is is how Paul goes towards the people that are searching for something new. And in searching for something new, what does he talk about? He talks about what God has already done. Right? These things, the way, just sometimes, Paul and Scripture just blows my mind. These people are always searching for something new, yet Paul doesn't talk about what God's going to do. He does a little bit at the end with the resurrection, but that's not really where he's going. He talks about what God has already done. I don't think you're getting that. These people are searching for something new. Paul's go-to is what God has already done. We live in a world that is searching for something new something to be fulfilled by something new, something brilliant, something mind-blowing, something astounding, something they've never seen, never experienced before, yet what they need to be fulfilled has already occurred, (coughs) has already come about, has already been and is and will always be, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's not something new. It's something of old that we just need to let people know about. we talked a little bit. About how the Holy Spirit works in different ways. We in Sunday school. But how, how the Holy Spirit works in different ways, depending on, on the age uh, of time that we are in. We, we know in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would come over people, right? He wasn't imbued, he didn't live within mankind, but he came over people at certain times to do certain tasks, right? He used men of, of great valor, of great deed to accomplish what God wanted to be done, right? But then he came over them. He didn't imbue within them. Then we get into the, the New Testament, and we see that the Holy Spirit is directly within those that are believers of Christ, to do the work that God has desired for them to do. And now we live in a new age, right? Where the Holy Spirit was within us, but we don't always see the workings of God in the exact way that we used to, but we know that He is still alive and relevant and present. But it is still the working of the Holy Spirit over and through God's people to accomplish what God wants to be done. It's not something new, right? And many times... When we bring up Christianity, this idea of, oh, it's just that again, will cross people's mind. Oh, I've heard that before, or I tried that before, or my parents did that, or that's an old thing. That's something from the 1900s. That's something that was big then. I'm looking for something new. But what we are searching for, what we've always been searching for, isn't something new It's something that this spirit, this soul has been yearning for since the very dawn of creation. And He breathed the breath of life into the first man and woman and made man and woman. Ever since then, this soul has desired not something new, but something that has been there since the very dawn of creation. Him I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth. I pray that as we approach the world, those that are lost, those that are in need of a Savior, those that are searching for something new, and they always are searching for something new to fulfill that desire within them, that we are able to communicate as Paul does. So many times. Man, if you want to know how to talk to people about Jesus, look at what Paul does in the book of Acts. Right? We see it. Tom, you say, well, Paul's a preacher. Paul's an apostle. Paul, in the be- before anything else, was a Christian seeking to share the gospel. Plain and simple. Without any other titles, that's who Paul was. You want to know how to talk to people and how to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to share the gospel. Look to Paul. We talk, and there's a lot of similarities with what what we talk about with the evangelism stuff, with what Paul does. Right? Goes to Scripture, uses Scripture, connects with people on a personal level. He even in one place, one of the one of the things that we quote more often than not uh, in, in Scripture. In, in this verse, he talks about. He's not quoting Scripture. He is straight up quoting an Athenian poet that uses that uh, uses that verse to talk about Zeus. He turns it over and says it's what we're talking about is God in this, right? He is using the tools that are there that are still there for us today. So I pray that we understand when we approach people for the cause of Christ, we approach with the boldness that Paul had, but we approach with the wisdom that Paul had. Not seeking just to strip sin away, but just to introduce God into the equation. Right? And that God, let God strip the sin away and strip the darkness away and strip the ill things away, the immorality away, and let Him do what only God can do. But we do that By sharing the true testimony of who Christ is. Of who Christ is. And just as Paul, and I should have carried this Scripture over and put it up here, but just as with Paul, here in this moment, it says he got done. And it says and when he talked about the resurrection, it says some mocked him. But it said, but some of them said we will hear you on this matter again. He will hear you on this matter again. And we've talked about in our classes about evangelism, in the sermons that we've preached about the book of Acts, that there will be some that will not receive it, and there will be some that will. We see that with Paul. There were some that mocked him for it, but there was a few, at least, that said I will listen to this again. I'll hear you out again. I want to know more. I have more questions. I'm not completely convinced, but I'll hear you out again. But then you continue. in The next two verses of this chapter before it ends, it talks about how one of the elect of the Areopagus, one of the ones that sits on that judicial council, one of the judges of that age, believed in Christ. And became a follower of Christ. If you follow the history, by many by many Christian sects or denomination, whatever you want to call it, is considered a saint for the work that he did for the cause of Christ because of what Paul did by sharing the true testimony of who Christ was. The true testimony of who Christ was. He says, "You have believed this, but you don't even know what you believe. Let me give you the truth." there's many people that are chasing and following up, have that desire to believe in something, have that desire to worship something, have that desire to idolize and to to put something before anything else that are putting it in all the wrong places. We need to see those. Acknowledge those. And say, let me redirect that passion to where that spirit, that soul, has wanted it all along. To what it's desired all along. Searching for something new. And it's not necessarily about going back to something old, but it's about going back to something that's always has been. God is neither old nor new, He is just always been. Right? It's about going back to the very foundations of the earth, to the creator of heaven and earth, to God. Not all the new things. Amen? I'm thankful.